Well, good morning, Grace Church, and we want to say a welcome to everybody who's joining us over the internet today, and we're thankful that you're with us to worship our Lord here this morning. Brother Bill is not with us again this week, so I'm going to kick us off, and we're going to read some in the Lord's Word here. <clears throat> we're singing the first hymn today as Trusting Jesus, and I, I was talking to Elder Turner, I was like, well, let's see, what scripture should we read? And Maggie and uh, the girls and I were just memorizing, having them memorize this verse out of Proverbs chapter 3, so I thought we would read this little section, it fits right in. <clears throat> Proverbs that, chapter 3 and verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all of your ways, and he will guide you on the right paths. Do not consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Let the Lord's people say amen. Amen. Can you all stand with me? Trusting Jesus, 262. <clears throat> Good to see all of you this week. Simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all, trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall, Trusting Jesus, that is all. Brightly doth His Spirit shine Into this poor heart of mine. Even weak I cannot fall. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly. Trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Singing if my way is clear, praying if in danger for Him I'll call, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting Him while life shall last, trusting Him till earth be past, till within that jasper wall, Trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly. Trusting as the days go by. Trusting Him whate'er befall. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Amen. All right, you all can be seated and we'll have some announcements. Good morning. Say a word of welcome to all of you today to the services of Grace Church at Franklin and say a special welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us. And if you did not get an opportunity to sign the register located in the foyer, we ask that you would do that as you depart just so we might have a record of your attendance. As Josh mentioned, we take a moment during the service to lift up prayer requests and ask that as the Lord calls them to your mind this week that you would remember them before Him. And we want to continue to pray for Tabetha while I don't have a lot of news regarding her, she was, after persistence, finally able to get in to see the Parkinson doctor early <clears throat> due to a consolation by another, uh, another patient. <clears throat> and it appears, at least for now, that she does not have Parkinson's. So we want to praise the Lord for that and ask that he would continue to give wisdom as they try to determine why she's having uh, these tremors, uh, that continual <clears throat> tremors that are preventing her from work. 
We also want to remember the local police officer who was hospitalized down in Florida. <clears throat> he, uh, this past week, they completely removed him from the ventilator for which we give praise. And he was also able to, with assistance, walk down the hospital hallway. So he is making progress. Again, it's going to be a long road. They're trying to find another facility for him to get into, one that has the capability of doing a lung transplant, should that be required in the future. They don't think it will be right now, but just want to be prepared in case that comes down the road so pray about that also we want to remember our brother Danny Shanks who is ill and want to continue to pray for my uncle who is battling cancer uh, I mentioned to you last week that he had checked himself into a, a natural hospital down in Mexico for a three-week treatment program. After three days of intense training, or, or testing, should I say, uh, they've determined that his liver is full of cancer and there's basically nothing that can be done. So he's back home now and, and looking for hospice care, so pr please continue to remember my Uncle Mike. <clears throat> I also want to continue to pray for, uh, or ask, ask your prayers for Terrence Young. This is a friend of, of Larry Smith's brother out in Michigan, and we had lift up Mr. Young a while back because he had suffered COVID, <clears throat> and as a result of that, he's now got to have uh, both lungs replaced. So we pray that you might be uh, pleased to remember him before the Lord. It's my understanding, I think Larry said, they have one lung uh, already, but they're looking for the second one in, in order to do the lung transplant for both lungs. So let's remember Terrence Young before the Lord. Pam and I are going to be traveling next two Sundays, so we will miss you all and be praying for you. We ask that you would pray for us as well. <clears throat> and we also want to remind you that if you're looking for a ministry at Grace Church, one of the ways that you can serve is preparing and clean up after our fellowship dinner that happens the first Sunday of every month. So the sign-up sheet is located on the round table in the foyer. Pray about that, and if the Lord leads you to sign up for one or more days to help with that, uh, please do so. And then we want to remind you that if you want to support the ministry here at Grace Church <clears throat> and getting the word out, uh, the gospel message across the world, to uh, place your tithe and offering, offering in the box that's located on the round table in the foyer as we don't pass the plate here to collect the offering during the service. We certainly want to pray for our pastor. Uh, I believe he will be back with us uh, next Sunday, and uh, we just continue to pray for him as he's teaching and ministering uh, to others. <clears throat> and we want to especially lift up Elder Turner as he will break the bread of life to us this morning and ask the Lord to bless our hearing and understanding of what he has for us today. <clears throat> Is there any other prayer announcements that I'm not aware of that you want to mention real quick? All right, great. Thank you so much. Good morning again, everybody, and all creatures of our God and King, 31, number 31 in your hymnal. I love this hymn. This is like, to me, this is like a throne room hymn. <laughs> all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, Thou silver moon with softer gleam, Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, Ye clouds that sail in heaven along, Oh, praise Him, Alleluia! Thou rising moon in praise rejoice, Ye lights of evening find a voice. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia! Dear Mother Earth, who day by day unfoldest blessings on our way. Oh, praise Him, Alleluia! The flowers and fruits that in Thee grow, let them His glory also show. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, Alleluia! Alleluia, Alleluia. <clears throat> and 
And all ye men of tender heart, forgiving others, take your part. Oh, sing ye Alleluia, ye who long pain and sorrow bear. Praise God and on Him cast your care. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Let all things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him, Alleluia. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son. And praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. 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 Y'all get your hymnals out for me. 31. We missed that last verse, I think. Sing that again with me. Let all things their Creator bless. And worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Praise, praise the Father. Praise the Son. And praise the Spirit three in one. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. 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 Isn't that a good hymn? Whew. <clears throat> Y'all ought to learn that one because I think we'll be singing it for a while. Maybe in eternity. <laughs> All the days. <clears throat> so this hymn, we've got to thank Miss Sue. If we get to these next two that I've got on the list, thank Miss Sue for both of these. She's got some good ones. And of course, her mom has written a bunch of them. But these ones, her mom did not write. But she used to sing these and play these on the piano when she was younger in her church, right? Stand by me. I know that probably a lot, a lot of y'all know this. Tennessee Ernie Ford sings that. There's videos out there. But it's called Stand By Me. <clears throat> if you don't know it, just follow along. It's nice and slow. <clears throat> when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, Thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. In the midst of tribulations, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the hosts of hell assail and my strength begins to fail, Thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. When I do the best I can and my friends misunderstand, I'm sorry, thou who knowest all about me, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. When my foes in battle array undertake to stop my way, Thou who saved Paul and Silas, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm nearing chilly Jordan, O thou lily of the valley, stand by me. Amen. 
Well, it is past 11 o'clock, and I'm going to stay up here with you this morning, but if there's anyone that's just now joining us over the internet, we're on YouTube, Sermon Audio Video, and Ustream, we want to say welcome to you this morning. We're thankful that you're here to worship the Lord, worship the King with us. Let's, I've got two more for you this morning. When God dips his love in my heart. Hopefully we won't start off too fast, because this is kind of one of those where you lose your breath. <laughs> When God dips his pen of love in my heart And writes my soul a message he wants me to know His spirit all divine, this sinful soul of mine Hallelujah, when God dips his love in my Can y'all stand up with me? Well, I said I wouldn't tell it to a living soul How he brought salvation when he made me whole But I found I couldn't hide such love as Jesus did impart Well, it makes me laugh and it makes me cry Sets my sinful soul on fire Hallelujah, when God dips his love in my heart Sometimes though the way is dreary, dark, and cold, and some unburdened sorrow keeps me from the goal. I go to God in prayer, I can't always find Him there. Hallelujah, to whisper sweet peace to my soul. Well, I said I wouldn't tell it to a living soul How he brought salvation when he made me whole But I found I couldn't hide such love as Jesus did impart Cause it makes me laugh and it makes me cry Sets my sinful soul on fire Hallelujah, when God dips his love in my heart He walked every step up Calvary's rugged way And he gave his life completely To bring a better day My life was steeped in sin But in love he took me in Hallelujah, his blood washed away every stain Well, I said I wouldn't tell it to a living soul How he brought salvation when he made me whole But I found I couldn't hide such love as Jesus did impart Well, it makes me laugh and it makes me cry Sets my sinful soul on fire Hallelujah, when God dips his love in my heart Well, it makes me laugh, then it makes me cry, sets my sinful soul on fire. Hallelujah, when God dips his love in my heart. (laughs) Do y'all remember that? Do we not have any? Woo! (laughs) Well, we're kind of winging it here. I I didn't realize Brother Bill wasn't going to be here until the last second, so I guess we've got a few different options. Um... Do y'all want to try and do feeling mighty fine? Is anybody feeling mighty fine this morning? (laughs) Don't lie to the Lord now, because if you're not, all you got to do is go to the Lord and Jesus, and then you can tell the truth. (laughs) Let's see. I'm sorry, guys, upstairs, and we kind of had to wing this last second. They were up there telling me, hey, you're late, and we were over there talking about, what are we going to do at 11 (laughs) o'clock? Let's see if we can get that up on the board. Thank you. I want everybody to be able to sing it. Thank you, mister. You don't need this? Okay. I think hopefully they'll get it up there in just a second. Let's go ahead and start, and maybe you'll remember some of the words. Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up with joy in my soul. Cause I knew my Lord had control Well, I knew I was walking in the light Cause I'd been on my knees in the night And I prayed to the Lord to give me sight There we go And now I'm feeling mighty fine Well, I'm feeling mighty fine I've got heaven on my mind oh don't you know i want to go where the milk and honey flows there's a light that always
always shines down inside this heart of mine. I've got heaven, heaven on my mind, so I'm feeling mighty fine. Take it, Miss Sue. You want to take it around? I know Brother Benny likes that back there. Verse 2. We're walking with Jesus all the time. We're walking and talking as we climb. We're traveling a road to the sky. Where with Him we'll live when we die. He's been telling me all about that land. And He tells me that everything is grand. And he says that a home will be mine. So now I'm feeling mighty fine. Yes, I'm feeling mighty fine. I've got heaven on my mind. Oh, don't you know I want to go where the milk and honey flows. There's a light that always shines down inside this heart of mine I've got heaven heaven on my mind and I'm feeling my sing that chorus with me again oh I'm feeling mighty fine I've got heaven where on my mind oh don't you know I want to go where the milk and honey flows there's a light that always shines down inside this heart of mine I've got heaven heaven on my mind so I'm feeling do y'all remember this now? I'm feeling fine feeling fine we're going to have to get a quartet up here like the Statler Brothers because my whole life I have not been able to only sing that one part of it. I've got to say, feeling fine. There's different singers that do that. It's just too good not to do. Well, I think if you all can remain standing, um, I believe we'll have the reading of the Lord's Word as Elder Turner comes up. And we may even do our, our little song here. So remain standing for a moment and Elder Turner will come teach. Let's begin with the song we usually sing, asking the Lord to help us as we seek to study his word today. standing just for a moment now I want to read a short passage of scripture from the book of 2nd Timothy see we've got 2nd Timothy in the very first chapter and Paul is writing to his beloved son in the faith giving him some instruction and encouragement and he tells us in verse 9, he's talking about God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, unto which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For which cause I also suffer these things nevertheless. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let the people of God say praise the Lord. And you may be seated. We do welcome each of you and those who are joining us by way of internet. Those of you that didn't get to attend last week's session or services, you really missed a blessing. That uh, young man, Matt, that was here took us on an incredible journey through the scriptures. And some of the songs, he had so many extra notes in there and you had to listen to what he was playing. You can pick out some of the songs and I think the one we sang about uh, before the throne of God, I think he played that because he could pick out the hallelujah part. <laughs> so it was recorded, I think, so you could probably request a DVD of that if you didn't get to hear it. Um, to tell you what the people here thought about it, Miss Sue came up to me and you just heard her playing. She came up to me afterward and she said, you know, she said, I didn't come up to play because I couldn't think of anything I could play after that. <laughs> so, uh, I can identify with that, Miss Sue. I know what you're saying. I'd like for us to think about the verse 12, which we just read today. We're here in this second epistle to Timothy. Paul is writing to his, as we called him, his son in the faith. And this is a little less formal writing, a letter, than what Paul had sent to some of the churches. This is what's called a pastoral letter. And his first letter to Timothy was even more formal than this. This is more of a personal letter. Paul is letting his feelings, he's letting himself uh, express himself to Timothy, and it's a time that he's in prison, a time when he has been forsaken or forsaken uh, by many of his friends and co-workers. You'll find the reference to that here in chapter one, as well as I think it's in chapter four. He talks about how different ones had deserted him, had left him, and had not stood with him at his defense. He even tells us in chapter 4 of this little epistle, you can turn over there if you'd like, in verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul's not a young man. He's had a hard life. He's been through a lot. He's experienced a lot of things. But even at that, he is reminding Timothy here of his of Paul's calling to be, as he said, a, uh, a preacher, a teacher, an apostle to the Gentiles, one that was given the office, the calling appointed to teach the, uh, the gospel to the Gentiles. And he said, this is the cause for my suffering. Paul had done nothing to break any Roman law. He was suffering strictly because of his faithfulness to the calling of God to teach and preach the gospel, to give testimony, I believe is the word he uses, to give a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, guess what, folks? We may not be called to be apostles, but we have been called to give testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that he suffered the things he did because of that testimony. And it could very well be that even in our part of the world in which has been peaceful and Christianity has been received, 
may come a time when we are persecuted for our faith. It's, it could come a time when we suffer for no other reason than the fact that we do give testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we convey to others a message of the good news of the gospel, the gospel of grace in the person of Christ. We find that Paul was trying to encourage and exhort Timothy to continue to be of good faith, to be steadfast during this time. And I think we could consider the words that he has here spoken to Timothy and see if we cannot for ourselves find some encouragement and an exhortation to be steadfast to our calling as we serve our master in this world. Now, as we look at this first, I think there are three divisions here. And I have used, I think the correct term is an alliteration. It helps me to remember my outline, and hopefully it will help you to remember. But we have here a saving confession. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. We find here a saving conviction. I am persuaded that he is able. And we find here a saving commitment to keep that which I have committed unto him. So I'd like for us to consider these three points as we look at this verse this morning. Now that has to be a good outline because it has three points. (laughs) So we look first of all at a saving confession. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And there are several different Greek words that are translated by our English word, know. And one that most people are familiar with is the gnosko knowledge, which is a knowledge that is based on experience, knowing firsthand. Believe it or not, that's not the word Paul uses here. He uses the word oida, which means to know by perception, to know by apprehension and discernment. It's not an innate knowledge, but one that comes with time, comes with study, spending time in the word of God. Now, Paul says of himself over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8, that he is like, speaking of his apostleship, he says, I'm one that was born out of due season. He was was not the one that was uh, blessed with the privilege that the other apostles enjoyed in spending the three to three and a half years with Christ on this life, you know, living with him, working with him, hearing him speak on a daily basis basis so that they could say, as John did, we write of the things which we have seen, the things that we have handled, the things that we know of Christ. But nonetheless, Paul did know Christ and he did see him. He met the qualifications of an apostle. You recall on the road to Damascus, the Lord revealed himself to Paul. He knocked him from his horse, blinded him, that he could give him the spiritual eyes to see who he was, that he was indeed the Lord of glory. And Paul, in his own testimony, says he did not immediately go to Jerusalem to meet with Peter and James and John, the others that were considered the leaders of the church at Jerusalem. But rather, he went back to his homeland of Tarshish and spent about three years there in the wilderness being taught and instructed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, in that time and through that teaching, Paul had come to know who he believed. You see, it's by revelation of the Holy Spirit and the written word that Paul came to know Christ. And for you and I, it is also through faith, by the revelation 
of the Holy Spirit through the scripture that we know whom we have believed. As pastor has said so many times, this is a hymn book. It's all about Christ. It's revealing him to us in all of the different aspects and facets of his ministry to us. So, so vast was the ministry, so vast was the work of redemption that Christ accomplished for us, that it took a whole uh, form of religion to get in some of the facets of what he's done for us. Everything that was under the Judaistic form of religion was to teach us, to point us to Christ. They had the high priest. Why? Because Christ is our high priest. They had the sacrifices that they offered. Why? Because Christ is a sacrifice for us. They had some that were called sin offerings, some uh, trespass offerings, some drink offerings. All the different offerings spoke to us of what Christ was to accomplish for us. The fact that there was the shedding of blood was to speak of the vicarious atonement of Christ. To see that the Holy uh, of Holies could only be entered in once a year and must be entered with blood was a type to point us that Christ has for us entered into the holy place. He has gone into the presence of God with his own blood to plead our cause. And so when Paul says, I know whom I have believed, it's because of the revealing uh, work of the Holy Spirit. There was an illustration on this verse that I thought was pretty good if I could share it with you. An old saint gave this illustration to help relate this truth. So there was a young girl whose name was Myra. And he said, one day after taking a walk with her grandfather, she sat down to talk to her mother. And she started the conversation saying, I wish I had grandfather's eyes. The mother responded, why would you possibly want your grandfather's eyes? She said, if I had his eyes, I could see all the things he sees while we walk together. But I cannot see half of what he sees. The mother, in some astonishment, said, how is that? What are you talking about? He has old eyes and poor eyesight, and you have young eyes. Yes, said Myra, but for all of that, he sees much more than I do. Tell me what you mean, child. Well, when we walk through the fields and down the lanes, he says he sees the goodness of God in everything. Oh, child, it's not the eyes of the grandfather you want, but it's grandfather's faith. That's the difference. It comes by revelation. If the Holy Spirit is pleased to reveal unto us the beauty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us that by nature there is no beauty in Christ. There's nothing about him that would make us desire him. And yet, to every child of God who has saving faith, he's altogether lovely. He is our heart's desire. He is the one we want to know. If you turn back a few pages to the book of Ephesians, again to chapter 1. Paul here enters into a line of reasoning which is very similar to what he's presented to Timothy. And notice verse 17 of chapter 1. Now this is a prayer. This is one of the prayers of Paul for the church at Ephesus. And he talked about having heard of their faith. He began to uh, pray for them and to cease not to give thanks for them. Verse 16. And one of his petitions was that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. All of those things are here mentioned. Now the word knowledge is a different word than what he used in Timothy. This is talking about a paragonosco, which is a, a perfect knowledge in that it is a complete knowledge. He wants them to 
grow continually in a knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And this only comes through revelation. Revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Could you look at one more passage back over in the book of Luke? First chapter of Luke. He is introducing this account of uh, the gospel, what we call the gospel according to Luke. And he's speaking here, he's addressing the, uh, I think it's an individual named Theophilus. And he says in verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now Luke is not saying that he had perfect understanding from the very first. This, this particular word that's found here, this is the only time it's translated this way. Every other time the word in the original is used, it means from above. What Luke is saying is that I have perfect understanding from above. God has taught me. When Luke wrote these words, he was not writing the words of Luke, he was writing the words that the Holy Spirit gave him to say. Because we do know, as Paul tells us, that all scripture is given by inspiration. So Luke is saying, I received it from above. That's what the revelation we're talking about. It's a nothing from above. The wisdom that he's talking about here in Ephesians, this wisdom is spiritual illumination. It's the light that the Holy Spirit gives us to know and to see who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find that we are told in the scriptures that if we walk in the light which we are given, that he will give us more light. If our understanding is illumined to where we see something of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we continue to read and to study, he's going to give us more light so that we see more and we see more of the Lord Jesus Christ so that eventually we could say that we are experiencing what Peter talked about over in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, that we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's necessary. Studying the Word, spending time in the Word is necessary. God had determined... Back over in the book of Romans, you'll read that, that he had predetermined, he had predestined those whom he called to be conformed to the image of his son. How is that going to happen? How are we going to be conformed to an image that we don't know anything about? We are conformed to the image of Christ by spending time studying the word, hearing the word taught, listening to that still small voice in our mind telling us this is speaking of Christ. This is who Christ is. So that we may know him to have the eyes of our understanding enlightened. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The natural man does not receive the things of God, neither may he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That's what we're talking about, a discerning knowledge, oida, to come to know him by revelation. It is not what we know, but whom we know. There are a lot of 
people who are educated go to seminaries, go to college to study and to be taught and trained, and they come out of the uh, seminaries, almost said cemetery, because there are a lot of times, a lot of times these schools deny everything that Christianity stands for. I mean, some of these do not teach the deity of Christ. They do not teach that man receives everlasting life. They do not receive or teach that salvation is by grace. What do they teach? What do they teach? I don't know. The foolishness of man is what they teach. It's not what we know, but whom we know. When Christ is revealed in the scriptures, it's a life-altering life-changing experience. John said this as he recorded a prayer of our Lord in John chapter 17 and verse 3. He said, and this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. A knowledge of Christ, a knowledge of God is life. If we know him, we have life. John said over in one of his little epistles, I believe it was in the first epistle of John, he says, if we say that we know Christ, if we make that confession, any man that names the name of Christ ought to walk even as Christ walked. We have that responsibility as the children of God. That's how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We can know that we know him. We have love one for another. So you see, learning about God and learning about the Son is not the same thing as knowing the Father and knowing the Son. I forget the address of the passage, but there is a passage that tells us that even the demons know God and tremble at that knowledge. But they don't really know that God whom they fear. All they know is that he is a consuming fire. And outside of Christ, that's how you know God. He is a consuming fire. We need to pray that we, like Paul, could say, I know whom I have believed. I know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my life. He is my salvation. And it is because we know him that we can have the saving conviction. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded or convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Now, the root meaning of this word translated persuaded means to win by words, to influence with winning words. When he says, I am persuaded, for you English uh, students, that's in the middle passive tense. So what that means is this is not something that Paul has convinced himself that he ought to believe. But this is something that he has been convinced or convicted by someone else that he can believe. Who would that someone else be? What did Christ tell us that when he was gone, he would send the comforter unto him, the Holy Spirit? And what was to be the work of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, when he came? He was to convince men of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces us. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us, saying, if you know that this is Christ, if you know this is his personality, then you can be persuaded. You can know, you can be convinced that he is able. John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. What does he speak of if it's not himself? He speaks of Christ. 
He leads us into all the truth concerning Christ. And as he makes that revelation, as he persuades us to cast our being upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have us to know that he is able. This is the word that stuck out of my mind when I first read this. I am persuaded that he is able. Talking about the ability of God, the ability of Christ, the strength, the might, the power that he has to save us. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able. God is able. There's no question with man, things may be impossible, but not with God. There's nothing impossible with God. Having come to a knowledge of Christ, he is persuaded of his dunamis power and his ability. He is persuaded, he's convinced of the ability of Christ to do all that is necessary to bring him to salvation. That's what Paul's talking about here. In a minute, we'll see that when he talks about what he's committed unto the Lord. But Paul is saying that God has ultimate power. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, I guess would be a better pronunciation, right? He is omnipotent. He has all power. If you're still in the book of Ephesians, look down to verse 19. Paul, as he continues his prayer, not only prayed that they would have the knowledge of Christ, that their eyes would be opened and enlightened, but he says, I would pray that you would uh, know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I don't know if you caught it or not, but that last part of that phrase, part B of that verse says, according to the working of his mighty power. Three words here, very similar. They're not exactly synonyms, but they're very similar. But they show us an increasing, a progression Uh, in what Paul is talking about when he speaks here about how great is Christ's power. The working, according to the working, that is the extent, that's the energy, excuse me, that's the energy that it requires to do this work. The might, that's the extent of the power that he's talking about. The strength, as we said, that's the omnipotence. It's only limited by the very nature of God himself. Now, what are we going to say about that power? It is a power that was manifest in creation. It's a power that he tells us here is the same power that was used in raising Christ from the dead. If he took and raised his son from the dead, and we are in his son, guess what? He has used that same power to resurrect us in Christ. The power that he used to give life is the same power that he uses in us to give us life. It takes all of the power of God to save an individual. And he tells us in verse 19... He wanted us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is not an arbitrary thing. He's talking about a very specific power. He's talking about a very specific uh, receiver of that power. He directs it toward those who believe. In answering prayer, In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 22, think about it, praying to this God. We know that he is able to do above what we think or ask. We can't even begin to imagine what God's going to do when he answers our prayer. Have you ever found that to be true? You prayed about something, God has answered that prayer, 
in a way that was completely different than anything you ever imagined. It was so much better than what you had asked for. You just stand amazed at the, at the grace and the love of God. But he is able, he's like that. He has the power to do those things. He has the power to accomplish more than we ask, more than we are able to think. He has power. He has the power, the ability to sustain us and to help us in our daily walk. Jude, in his little epistle, the last two verses, Jude 24 and 25, it's only one chapter, but in verses 24 and 25, he tells us that he has the ability, he is able to keep us from falling, says the King James. That word is stumble. He's not even going to let you stumble. There's a difference in stumbling and falling. I stumble a lot, but I don't always fall when I stumble. He's going to keep us from stumbling so we don't fall. He's able to keep us. He has that power. When we think of it in the whole of our life and eternity, the writer of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, tells us that he is able to save to the uttermost all those who come unto God through him. That word uttermost has been understood in a lot of different ways, but what he's talking about there is to the very end. He is able to save to the very end. I don't know when that end is, because we shall be safe, we shall be saved, if we use that word, for eternity. He gives us everlasting life. We have a God who is able. And then we have a saving commitment. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. We're back in Timothy now. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep or to guard that which I have committed. The word there is deposited. That which I have deposited in his keeping. You see, the ground of the apostles' confidence, even in his hour of peril, being imprisoned, was his trust in the perfect faithfulness of his God. That's where ours is going to have to be. If we have this kind of commitment, we're going to deposit this, this word that he's talking about here refers to a lot of things with Paul, but it refers to everything about Paul. Paul is saying, I have committed unto you my ministry, the apostleship, his teaching, his preaching, all of that he says, I commit to the Lord. Be like Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a ministry that lasted for 40 years. You know how many converts Jeremiah had? None. None. But he trusted, he had committed his life, his teaching to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he would accomplish the purpose for which he had called Jeremiah to preach. He had a reason for it. You and I today still read the words that were recorded by Jeremiah. And I dare say that there have been many that have been blessed and helped by the words of that man's ministry. Paul not only was entrusting his ministry to the Lord, but he was also entrusting the keeping of his soul, of who he was. He was entrusting the Lord with the responsibility of keeping or guarding his peculiar deposit, precious deposit, with the knowledge that it would be restored whole and uninjured. That's what that word is really telling us. If we place the keeping of our soul in the hand of God, he will keep us throughout all of our lives, and at the end of that life, when Christ appears and we shall be made like him, he will return that deposit to us and we'll stand before him without spot 
and without blemish. We cannot. We cannot do these things ourselves. Paul is entrusting all that he has and all that he is to God. We cannot do the work of salvation for ourselves. If we could save ourselves, if we could, according to the first covenant, the old covenant, you know, that if we could do the law, then we would live. But we can't. The law only condemns. We have one who has kept the law for us. We have one who delighted to do the will of his father in perfect obedience. So we must trust the willingness and the ability of Christ to do for us that which we could not do for ourselves. We couldn't do it if we wanted to, but the truth is we don't want to. We do not have the will to do that. So we must learn that we must commit the soul to the care of Christ because we can't secure our souls ourselves. Because our soul by nature is in danger of judgment. Does he not tell us that by nature we are children of wrath under condemnation? Yeah, that's where we stand by nature. Where you are, people don't realize that. People won't hear that. But that soul that does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is condemned already. We need, we need him to save us. If we are not saved by him, then we shall not be saved. We need to commit the keeping of our souls unto him because there's no greater treasure than our eternal soul. When you think of the rich man in the Gospels and he said, you know, this, this man looked upon all of his goods and he said, oh, you know what, I'm going to tear down these barns and build new barns for I am, you know, have much goods increased. And he said, what's left for me but to, to eat, drink, and be merry? And God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What do we gain? What is the gain if we gain all of the world and lose our soul? Where is the gain in that? There is none. The true Christian, the one who is a true believer, the one who knows whom he has believed, is able to with his entire confidence, and with peace of mind, commit himself to the ability of his God. When you consider by the promise, he has made promises to keep those who trust in him. John chapter 10, verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. We're in the hand of Christ, and Christ says, my hand is in the hand of the Father, and no man can pluck him out of my Father's hand. We're in a place of safety. That's what salvation means. We are secure. We're safe. You can read over in the book of uh, Romans. Again, chapter 8, a very familiar passage. And there we are told plainly how that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Not height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God. If God be for us, Paul says there, who can be against us? We can have confidence in the power and in the ability of our God to keep us. You see, we can commit ourselves unto the keeping of Christ even in a time of trial because this is where our security lies. What does it matter what man can do to the body if God has put our soul in the keeping of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, 
What do we have to fear a man who can only destroy the body? We should fear God who is able to destroy body and soul. If he keeps us, then we have no fears. You see, our trials are but temporary. For all the trials, for all of the things that may be against us, that wicked one who is uh, considered the God of this age, the God of this world, he has no weapon that can be successful against the people of God. Through all of this, eventually, we shall be brought into a safe haven. He who has begun a good work in you will continue that work to the end. He will save us. May we be enabled by the grace of God to say what Paul has said here, I am, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let us pray. Our Father God, we call upon you through Christ our Lord, and again we plead him our only hope, pleading the shed blood of Christ to be spent for our redemption. We need no other argument, we need no other plea, but that when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he died for me. May we see beyond the truth the fact that Christ died for sinners, and may we know of a certainty that Christ died for me, personal, intimate knowledge. We thank you for your word to us, and we ask that you would be pleased to bless it to our hearts, that we might indeed be strengthened after the inner man, and that we might be able to leave this place resting in the knowledge of our Savior, persuaded in the ability of him to keep us and to commit unto him all of our being. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You would stand and let's uh, sing the little chorus we sing in closing. That's exactly what Paul was teaching us. Thank you. You're dismissed.